right, welcome everyone to the More and More podcast. Again, this is Hampton. I am so excited to be back with you. Uh, summer has started, and so uh, for those of you who are listening and don't know, I'm a college pastor at the University of South Carolina with Shannon Baptist Church, and so to be blunt, it's just been a wild time, and May has finally started to slow down for us, so I thought I would uh, jump in with you guys about some stuff I want to talk about today. Hey, before we do that, before I jump all the way in, we're going to talk about the new abortion laws and probably the Game of Thrones finale because I'm just, um, I don't even know what to say about it. But the yeah, one thing I wanted to talk to you guys about before that is we sent out a survey to a select group of people, um, select group of leaders who have listened to the podcast and got some feedback. So uh, we're going to continue to have guests on this show, but we're also going to start to maybe slow some things down. Uh, produce some shorter podcasts of me just talking about issues that are that are um, relevant to our culture. Uh, we're going to try to do a lot of that, and so uh, this will be one of those today where we're just going to talk for a shorter amount of time about things that are going on in culture, things that are relevant to college students. Um, so just be be aware of that, be ready for that. Um, we're going to start that today. I'd also like to mention our producer Caleb, the lovely, great, powerful, talented Caleb, is out. He is. Um, yeah, he's just been unable to um, hang out with us. Uh, he is working this summer, and so he will still be editing these, but you will not hear from Caleb for the rest of the summer. You will hear from me and some guests, um, but the, the, the beautiful, lovely, talented, tall, dark, handsome Caleb is out. And so just want to update that, Caleb. When you hear this as you're editing, just know that I love you and uh, come home soon, my friend. Um, all that said, we're going to go ahead and jump in to what we're, we need to be talking about uh, this week. As you guys know, if you own a TV, uh, the abortion bills that have been released are among probably the, the most important pieces of legislation, I think, culturally, um, that have happened, I, I'm not going to say in my lifetime, right, because everybody says that and I'm 24, what the heck do I know about anything? Um, but they're very important, and they spark debate uh, Amongst college students, amongst young adults, amongst everybody, political sides are divided, families are divided, everybody thinks differently about these. So uh, we're going to talk about that. But before we do, I want to say this, and I, and I will say this again at the end, but I want you to know, if you're listening and you're a uh, woman who has had an abortion or you are a man who has encouraged a woman to have an abortion, um, look, we love you. Like, I love you. Like, this there's if you ever get in touch with me or with Shandon College or with Shandon Baptist Church, there is um, there's a lot of love and grace there. Like we, we're going to get into what we think about that and what I think. Like there will be some things that I just have to preface that are, are my opinion. Um, but that in no way, please hear me, in no way um, should deter you because I think um, if a, if abortion is as big a deal as our culture has made it out to be. Um, then whether or not you think abortion is good or bad, if you've had an abortion, you probably have saw, seen it as a, as a pretty big deal. And we just want to walk with you. Like if that is something that you've gone through, you need to know that there is a ton of love and acceptance um, there. And, and that's the reality because that's who we are as people, right? I mean, I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm the biggest sinner that I know personally. And so uh, if I didn't think that there were Christians and there were churches that would walk with me through my own stuff, I, I certainly couldn't record a podcast on Mike uh, claiming to be about Jesus and then, um, yeah, doing something else, doing something different. And so you need to know, like, we just, we just care for you. We want to um, point you to some resources. There's counseling available. 
Um, there's all kinds of stuff available, and we just want to walk with you. Uh, furthermore, if you're someone who feels passionately about abortion, uh, you should contact me. Like, if you want to have, have this out, have this debate, have this talk, um, get more of my thoughts, and I'd love to hear more of your thoughts, I would love to talk to you. My, my Instagram is at Hampton Harmon. It's very simple. It's my name, at Hampton Harmon. Uh, find me. I'm not interested in argument, but I'm certainly interested in debate and in con conversation. Um, so with that, we'll jump in. Um, I want to I start by saying this. Like, there seems to be a lot of, on both sides, um, some misconceptions about, first of all, about our definition of terms and also about like the ability to change. And so I want to say this. I am today a Bible-believing Christian pastor who is certainly right of center politically. Um, so that would come with some assumptions from whoever's listening about what I believe. I want to say this. I have not always been as concrete as I am on the subject. In fact, I've, I've quite frankly been a little bit of a hypocrite about this. I've made some moral missteps in my life to where um, I have thought that abortion... Um, was viable. I, I would say I would even, even hypocritical, like I would say that I was against abortion, but if it had happened to me um, or if it had happened to a friend, I would have encouraged abortion. I think that's a grave moral sin in my life that I've, I've done. Both the hypocr hypocrisy, um, the hypocritical nature of what I'm talking about, and the abortion. And so um, I know people that have had abortions. I know people that think differently about uh, this in the way that I think. And so I just want to be clear, there's no judgment. Like I have come full circle into what I believe about abortion um, and want you to know, like whoever's listening, there's just a ton uh, here. And what I'm about to say has, has no bearing on your value as a person, on your ability to be redeemed by Jesus, on your um, whatever. We're simply talking about the, the overarching issues of morality when it comes to abortion. And so there's a lot on both sides where like it seems like we're having different debates. So you see on social media about these uh, abortion debates, there's like a ton of, of stuff. So basically the, the debate is framed like if, if I say I think abortion is wrong, you say, well, you uh, don't care about the rights of a woman's body. Like, no, we're just talking different languages. I care about um, like... I don't think it's a woman's body issue because I think there's something in the body. The thing in the body is not the same as the body if it's not an organ, right? We're not talking about a kidney, right? But on my side of things, right, uh, the the left a lot of times will say we we want we think abortion is is a good thing for people to have a right to have. And my side of the debate goes, well, you want to murder babies? Like, no, that's if if they thought it was a baby, they definitely wouldn't advocate murder. There's like no one. See, hear me. If you're on the right, if you're a Christian, conservative, whatever, and you're like accusing everyone of murder, wanting to murder babies, no one wants to murder babies. That's not the issue. The issue is they don't believe that it's a baby. So it's not murder because they don't believe that, right? In the same way that they say we don't care about a woman's right to choose, we would say, no, it's about the baby. And they would say, no, it's about the woman. We're t speaking different languages. And so let's, let's get down to brass tacks of the debate and actually seek to understand one another. That's why uh, for the rest of this podcast, you'll not hear me say murder, right? Because I want to actually change minds, and we can't do that if we're accusing each other of these moral evils whenever we clearly have a misunderstanding about what we're talking about. Uh, so that is 
those are all the prefaces of the debate. Let's drop the facades of like these um, high ground moral positions and actually have the conversation. Um, I will say I think abortion is a uh, as an a moral sin. It's a, it's a sin. It's it's immoral. Uh, but when you tell me, like, when we try to make the argument that that is like equivalent to murder, that may be the case. But we're not going to convince anybody based on that because we're operating off of two different worldviews and two different ideas about what the fetus is. If the fetus is a person, then it's a sin. If the fetus is not a person, then it's not a sin, right? We're talking about totally different things. And so we've got to come to that conclusion together. Uh, so with that, we're going to try to diagnose some of these laws. Now, the two main laws, you've heard of the, the Ohio law. We're not going to get into that. Uh, but these two laws, the Georgia law, which is a, ultimately a heartbeat law, and the Alabama law, which is ultimately just you can't have abortions, right? I want to start by saying this. There's been a ton of misinformation about these two laws. So you you guys have, if you've been on the news or if you own a Facebook or whatever, like you've seen these just wild claims that people are making. First of all, I just want to say this. I've read both the laws, right? I'm not going to claim to be like a legal scholar. Some of the stuff I read, I just don't understand. I'm, I'm going to say that off, like I'm not a lawyer. I'm a pastor. I don't know Jack. If you ask me about a book I was reading, I could tell you, but legalese is not something I'm schooled in. But I will say this. Um, it is a myth that these laws, either of them, will plant a, a mother in jail for life for having an abortion. That's not true. Like the, Both of these laws seek to prosecute uh, doctors, which is, again, a total other thing. But stop saying that women can be prosecuted or get life in prison based on this. That, that's just not the case. Like the Alabama law could give doctors up to 99 years in prison for performing an abortion. It actually has nothing to do with the mother. And so uh, the reality is they're actually trying to um, find a way to absolve the mother of the difficult decision of the abortion while still ending abortions. And what they've done uh, is allow the doctors to be prosecuted. So stop saying that. If you've said that, you're, you're wrong about the law if you think um, that mothers are serving life in jail. I've also heard an equally disturbing thing that if a woman has a, has a miscarriage, that the Georgia law especially um, leaves it open that she could be prosecuted. This is also not true. Like, that, first of all, makes no sense. Second off, uh, not, not the case, right? Uh, miscarriage is a, is a really, really sad thing. Like, it's honestly, um, I, I know people personally that have had miscarriages, and I cannot imagine the pain of losing a child um, in that way, especially a child that you've been excited about, um, the government is not uh, not going to prosecute those mothers. That's a, that's a, um, a a bad rumor, a sick one that has been propagated, and it's not the case. In fact, Georgia has in other places on the law books, uh, it, it, they make it clear in other places that 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 can't happen. Right? They can't prosecute mothers for miscarriages. So um, that's not the case. I also want to say this: um, those who have been like kind of apocalypse mongering um, and saying like this is this is grave the law does not go into effect once the bill gets signed there's a lot that has to happen and it's probably going to get struck down in courts which is what we're going to talk about in a little bit women can still get abortions um, and make appointments and go, and go forward uh, to those procedures and this does not affect plan b so any of those rumors need to be um, need to be put to, to bed Th those just aren't the case like um, it's not it's not happening. So, I, like, I don't know where they're coming from. Like, it, it, it's a betrayal that um, 
whoever is making that claim hasn't read the law. It's, it's like clickbait. And this is how we get ginned up in the debate, right? This is how my side gets angry. This is how your side gets angry. We just get mad at one another. So what the laws do, okay? I just told you what the laws don't do. They don't allow law plan B. They don't go into effect right away. They don't prosecute women. They don't criminalize miscarriages. They, like, they don't do any of that, okay? What the laws do, the Georgia law, at six weeks, when a heartbeat can be detected, it outlaws intentional abortions other than uh, the Georgia bill. This is just Georgia. Other than rape and incest, the life of the mother, and I believe um, birth defects that are threatening to the life of the child that will create suffering. The Alabama law does something different, okay? This is where the two differ. Georgia law is a blanket elective abortion ban, um, except in those cases that I just told you. Rape and incest, which I think there has to be some criminal proof of that. Life of the mother and suffering. Alabama, the only two exceptions are life of the mother and uh, directly related to the health of the fetus. Okay, Otherwise, abortion is banned. The, the big piece there is they, they don't allow the exception of rape and incest. So we're going to talk about what that means. First of all, there's been some objections that I want to make clear um, as we go forward. I'm going to pull out my notes. I, I prepared for this. The, the Georgia law, the main problem, and AOC, I, I'm going to struggle to pronounce her name, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, I believe. Is that right? Oh, Caleb's not here. I can't even ask him. How sad. I'll have to do my own Googling. Yeah, AOC has said that this is after a woman typically would uh, like even be alerted to her missed period. I get that actually. Like I, I now I don't get it on like a like a spiritual physical level, right? But I understand the objection. The problem is, is that really doesn't matter with what we're talking about. That's a that's kind of a red herring, uh, red herring or red herring. Dang, Caleb, I could use him right now. Um, it's really a a non essential piece of the argument. Because if the heartbeat is detected, the, the problem is not whether or not the woman knows the heartbeat is detected. Uh, the problem is whether or not that is a person. Again, it, this will all go back to the question. This is where we're going to land in a little bit. If it's a person, whatever it is, right? If what it is is a person, then it doesn't matter that a woman wasn't able to get to it before it was a person. I would actually say uh, that the Georgia law... Um, Establishing heartbeat is kind of arbitrary, and we can talk about that in a minute. But the reality is, is that that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter when the woman knows. If a heartbeat is detected and the heartbeat signifies that it is a person, or at least a potential person, um, then whether or not she knew is, is a non-essential piece of the puzzle. I, I understand the argument that if she knew beforehand, she was able, if the, if the deadline were pushed back to eight weeks and she was able to know, she would be able to make a decision. But the reality is they're saying heartbeat equals personhood. And so what they're saying is whether or not you knew there was a heartbeat or not, whether or not you were able to understand that a heartbeat is coming in two weeks, I better get this abortion scheduled, that is insignificant to the fact that there is a heartbeat present. What, what the, the claim that the Georgia law is making is that once there is a heartbeat, that, that that is a person in there, right? And so whether or not you knew the heartbeat was detected, uh, whether or not you knew there was a person growing in there, it is a person now whether you knew that or not. Now, the Alabama law goes a lot further, right? Specifically in regards to rape and incest. Now, before we get into the rape and incest question of morality, I want to say this. Rape is a vile, evil, wicked act. I would go as far as to say that 
rape is the ultimate violation of the image of God in another person. Like, allow me to get spiritual for a second and not philosophical. Rape, the, the forcible uncovering of a person's uh, like most sacred parts of themselves and then the forcing, like we, we believe in Christianity that sex is the joining of two people. It's the joining of two souls. That's why we say you should wait till marriage is because um, what you're doing is you're joining souls and then ripping them apart when you have sex outside of marriage. Um, we would say, and, and I would say, rape is the forcible joining of your soul to another. Meaning, if you talk to a rape victim, and I, and I have, they are bound to the person that raped them forcibly for life. Like, that is something they can never get over. And so the rape is a horrific act. Um, Levitical law would actually have a lot to say about this, but in Jewish law especially, I know, I know uh, conservative uh, Bible-believing Jews who believe that rapists should be castrated. Like, that's how vile it is. Or killed, right? Punishable by death. I think rape, even more so than murder to me, is the ultimate violation of the image of God in a person. It is saying that you are an image of you are an image bearer. You are someone who's made in the image of God, and yet I am able to use you in a way that only serves me and my image. That is an ultimate violation. It is a wicked, evil sin. And to rape someone, to to commit the act of rape, is is to violate the image of God in yourself. You have lowered yourself to the point of animal, and and honestly. Aside from the grace of Jesus, there isn't anything that can bring rapists back. It's a, it's a wicked thing. And so I understand the argument, the desire for um, abortion to be legal for those who have um, been raped or there's been some forced incest or whatever. I, I totally get the argument because rape is that evil. And so I want to say this. On a political level... I don't mean right versus left. I mean like in the, in the sense of policy. I think, yeah, I, th- I think honestly if uh, we were able to trade the rest of abortions, meaning abortions due to inconvenience, abortions due to uh, those problems. And again, this is on the assumption that the fetus is a person. Okay, which we're going to, again, we're going we're gonna to get there, but I'm just answering some objections. If we're assuming that the fetus is a person, I think most people on the right would trade all the cases of rape and incest, which are less than 1%, and get back all the cases of elective convenience-level abortions. Like, I would be willing to trade the, the abortions that happen as a result of this vile, evil, sadistic act and take everything else, right? Like, if you could trade the 99% of abortions for the 1%, we would do that. But we can't, right? So we have to... Uh, we have to either include this or not include it in the law. We can't trade. The Georgia bill kind of makes that uh, proposition that what if we traded all the abortions after six weeks except for these ones? And that's the rape and incest question. But we can't do that, right? Like we have to determine whether or not it's still uh, a moral sin to commit an abortion to rape and incest. I will say this. This is, um, I have badly word, worded this in recent history even, so I've had to tweak my own thoughts on this. Um, but I have badly worded this in recent history, talking about uh, rape and incest, and said this is like a two wrongs don't make a right scenario. Uh, that is a, a bad way of putting it. Because the reality is, is that rape is evil, and the person, the rapist, should always be punished. 
and always should be, I would say, I don't want to say brutally punished, um, but there's a certain aspect of like it protects society to punish them far and away above, especially what punishments are handed out now. I mean, it's again, I can't stress it enough. It's a vile act. But I also say, and this isn't a two wrongs don't make a right per se, I would also say that if the fetus is a person or a potential person, that that rape, the, the act that got that child, that person, to come into existence, on a, on a moral level, when questioning the actual act of abortion itself, is insignificant. On the, on the life of the mother, it is totally significant. In fact, that rape may be the, the, the biggest um, thing that ever happens to her, right? Like, it may be, it may be the most significant thing. But on the, on the question of should we abort that person... Should we, should we terminate that person? The, the question of how they got there is insignificant. Because we've got to determine, is it, a, uh, is it a moral evil to end the life of the person? And that's the question. If it's not a person, then we don't have anything to talk about. If it is a person, then we've got to answer, when is it okay to end the life of a person? Is it okay to end the life of the person, person uh, because that person's mother may suffer? I don't think so. But I also think it's morally bad to not acknowledge that the mother's suffering. It's a complicated thing. I, I acknowledge that this may be the most um, horrific suffering that the mother may ever have to go to is bringing a child to bear under that circumstance. That suffering is, is I mean, it's, I, I will never, Lord willing, have to imagine that for myself or for anyone else. But that's the question we've got to answer. Is that, is that a good reason? If it's a person, if it's not, we've got a different thing on our hands. So I know you're probably expecting me to answer, when does a thing become a person? Um, at what point does whatever is growing in the belly of a mother become a person? My answer would be at conception. Now, there's a philosophical answer. There's scientific answers. The scientific answer is we know that it's a human uh, because it has its own DNA. I think that, that settles the human debate. We know that it is a human um, because if it's not a human, what is it? <laughs> it's not a dog, right? It's not another species. It's got to be human as far as species. But personhood is different. Personhood is largely philosophical. Heartbeat is a... Is a Good distinguishing bit, but my question is, what about a baby that's born, you know, in, in some sort of defect without a working heart, right? Heart defect. What about babies that are born uh, without brains? So I think that takes away the consciousness level. What about people that are in a coma? Is it, is it a moral good to just pull the plugs on all those people? Like, I, I don't think so. Now, is it outside of the womb? Does a person become a person outside the womb? I, I just want to know where philosophically we came up with that idea. Like, was that Aristotle? I don't, I don't think the birthing canal confers personhood. So I think there's some, some good philosophical debate, and maybe we can come back on later. I would like to keep this short and talk about what is personhood. But honestly, if it's growing, if it's distinct from the mother, right, even the, even, even the other side of the debate that, it sa that says um, this is a woman's body, you'd, ha you'd be forced to admit 
that the fetus itself is not the body. It might be dependent on the body. That's, yes. It might be uh, uh, totally making use of the body. And the, the, the left, the, the person on the other side of the argument may say, uh, even unwillingly so. But that, that's not the point, right? It's growing. It's distinct from its mother, it's, meaning it's not its mother. It has a heartbeat. It has potential. It has some level of agency, maybe not in the way that we think about, right? So I would say that it is a person. So we've got to determine, is, is it right to, to terminate this person, to end the life of this person because the mother is suffering? My answer would be no, but oh, Lord, I wish we didn't have to answer that question. <laughs> I mean, what a, what a horrible world, what a broken world we live in where we have to answer the question, does the suffering mother have a right to end the, end the personhood and uh, that is the product of her suffering. That's horrific. And so this is where I'd like to just bounce back and say, if, you've, if this is happening to you, we would love to talk to you about this. I would love to talk to you about this because uh, I would say that regardless of what you've done and regardless of what has been done to you, I know people who will walk with you. And so you should get in touch with this podcast. You should get in touch with me. There is no maliciousness. This is why you haven't heard me say it is evil. You haven't heard me say murder uh, because although I don't understand the plight of these women that have gone through this, I certainly understand uh, the moral dilemma that is this question. And, and I uh, am willing to walk with you through that. I'm willing to find someone to walk with you through that because it's horrific. I can't imagine it. The last thing I want to say on this issue before I get into some stuff that I like and stuff that I hate from this past week um, is this. There has been a certain amount of misinformation as well um, about this issue, again, on all sides, and we, we diagnosed that a little bit. But there's been a certain amount of like this weird posturing that has happened where like the, somebody says they're anti-abortion and the other side of the argument says, well, why don't you start in adoption? And that's like, it's honestly like uh, when people, when the Black Lives Matter movement came out and then people were saying all lives matter, like, yeah, all lives do matter, but also... The, the, the black lives are the one we're talking about right now. The black lives are the one with the issue, right? And so telling a person who, is, who believes that a, a babies are dying, a person who believes that, telling them, well, why don't you start in foster care is like saying, I, I don't even know what it's like saying, to be honest with you. It just doesn't make any sense. Like, oh, you believe babies are dying? Well, why don't you take care of the babies that are alive? It's like, yeah, I could do that. And I should, but also I should stop the babies from dying too, right? It's like, it's like telling someone who says there are people dying of starvation in Africa to feed their own kids. And you're like, well, yeah, I should feed my children, but I should also help to uh, save these children that are dying in Africa. And again, all this is predicated on whether or not the, the person is a human. Uh, look, I just wanted to give you my thoughts on that. This is a huge question. It all comes down to that, right? Is, is, this, a, is this a person? If it's not, the debate changes. We'll come back to that. Hey, and rounding up this episode, we're at like 27 minutes, I think. I want to do really quick some stuff I like and some stuff I hate. Man, I wish I had Caleb here. We'd do some current events that are more current even than these abortion laws. But hey, I want to talk really quick. Stuff I like. This is where I'm going to get in hot water. 
with some of you people out there. Uh, I liked, this is the thing that I like for this, uh, this episode this week. Stuff I like. I want to go on record. The thing that I like the most from this week and from the last six weeks, you guessed it, the Game of Thrones season eight and especially the finale. People have been so up in arms about this, this, this show and about the writing of the show. I want to go on record right now and say this. Um, it's awesome. The show has been awesome. It's awesome right now. And nothing you say, you petty idiots on Facebook or on whatever else that are saying, like, we hate Game of Thrones. We rewrite the season. First of all, they're not going to rewrite the season because some weirdo on Facebook signed a petition. I'm not going to do that, okay? Second off, it's this. Was, the se- was this season rushed? Absolutely. They tried to do in six episodes what they could have taken three seasons to do. I'm saying that it took that from a possible 10 down to like an eight and a half. That's all that it did. Because, of course, they, they were going to rush it. Like, they had six episodes. What I don't like is people who say it's rushed and therefore we hated it. Or therefore, uh, because this character didn't end it this way, didn't end up this way, um, we can't like it. Hey, look, you wanted Danny to win? I get that. Spoiler alert, by the way. You wanted Danny to win? I get that. You're mad that she went crazy? I get that. They've been foreshadowing that for like 10 years. She's been burning down, she's been burning people alive for 10 years. And you're like, well, it was justified. Really? This is kind of back to the moral dilemma question. Really? It was justified to, to burn someone for this reason? I don't know, man. I don't know. So I like the way that it ended. To quote a character in the show, Ramsey, if you think this has a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention. Uh, I I may do a whole other episode on this of Game of Thrones. Um, Look, I love that John got sent to the Night's Watch. John committed too many moral mistakes to get to rule the Seven Kingdoms. He's like his dad, his, his adopted dad, right? He let his morality, he let his, his, um, good guy routine, uh, push him to commit some moral evils. Things like murder. Yeah, it was justified to kill Danny, totally. But it's still murder. He can't sit, he can't sit the Iron Throne. He's not righteous enough. People say, oh, Bran was insignificant, and now uh, we, don't, we don't know what to do with that. Why does he get to sit the Iron Throne? That's the point. The point was all the people that you've been rooting for, all of them are disqualified. People say, well, what's the point of John being a Targaryen if it doesn't, doesn't matter? What's the point of Danny being a Liberator if it doesn't matter? What's the point of Sansa if it doesn't matter? I get it. You're forgetting one thing. The point of the series is that nothing matters. The point of the series is that everything can be true and everything can be false. I, I don't agree with it, right? I'm not a nihilist. I'm not a person who thinks truth is relative. But that's the point they've been trying to make. That's why every religion has some value in the show, right? The Lord of Light is performing miracles. The seven perform some miracles and, and allow us to, to maintain righteousness. Even the drowned God is, is encouraging uh, this, this real conquering spirit. Every God has value. Every God has some power. It's even more evident in the books. So what does that mean? That means all the gods eventually will become irrelevant. All the things that they've been chasing Power has absolutely corrupted them. Power has absolutely corrupted them in all different ways, and therefore none of it matters because everybody must answer. It's the point. Nothing matters. You're right. Welcome. I think the thesis of, of 
the series is Vanity of Vanities, All is Vanity. You chase power, you get what you get. Cersei chases power. Power is power, right? She ends up powerless. Danny chases liberator. What does she do? She ends up becoming the great oppressor. John chases morality and righteousness and the right thing. What does he do? He commits murder against the woman that he loves after getting the first woman that he loves killed. Bran chases uh, the, the ability to see things and know things. What does he do? He ends up uh, taking a position where he has a group of advisors whose job it is to know things for him. They flipped everything on their head. Sansa, the, the um, person who has never thought about anybody but herself, now has an entire kingdom in the north to think about. Think about that. Arya, the warrior who's, who's served a purpose as an assassin, no longer has a career as an assassin. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Now, really quick to wrap up the show, some things that I hate from this week. Um, I don't have a lot. I don't have a lot to say. Um, but I will say this. These news outlets, okay, these idiotic news outlets that have told you all week, Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, BuzzFeed, all the ones that have, have convinced you guys of some wrong things that are in these abortion laws, but also uh, about the Mueller report, about the uh, stuff going on with Trump, about all these things, all this misinformation that's going around, uh, it's, first of all, it's not your fault for believing them. I know you're used to hearing people say, do your own research. You need to, you need to be working on this yourself. I'm not saying that. <coughs> what I'm saying is this. What a, what a world we live in where we can't trust news people, to be honest. This is, I just hate it. I hate it. I could rant it. That could be a whole other episode. What's wrong with the media? So I want to encourage you to do something. I want to encourage you to find the sources that your CNN article is using. Find the sources that your Fox News article is using and read those. And then read the next thing. And read the next thing. You want to know what's in the abortion laws? you got to read them yourself. You want to know what's in the Mueller report? Find a copy. Bootleg that junk. Print it out. Give it to us. You want to know what's in all these documents? you got to read them for yourself. It's the only way. Find some trust, uh, in not in the news sources, but in the documents themselves. It's the only way we'll be able to find out what's going on. Hey, look, this has been the More and More Podcast, an episode about abortion. Tell us what you think. Follow us at the More and More Podcast on Instagram. It's a very long name. Caleb really screwed that up. Um, follow me at Hampton Harmon. I would love to hear your thoughts. Look, uh, to go back to an early point, we love you. If you're listening to the show, if you're not listening, it doesn't matter, right? We love you all. And if you've been through the things that we've talked about, we want to walk with you as a church me as a person, but also as a, like a, I guess, whatever this podcast is. It's not entertainment. Not that entertaining. I don't, I don't know what it is, but we, we want to walk with you. So um, these have been some, some culture and faith thoughts for the week. Um, we would love to hear from you. Again, follow us at the More and More Podcast and at Hampton Harmon and at uh, Caleb B. Keaton or whatever his is. Um, we'd love to talk through some stuff with you. I'm Hampton Harmon. Uh, yeah, follow us. Leave us a five-star review. That's it. Leave us a five-star review on Apple. We're working on getting released on Spotify um, so that you Android weirdos can listen. But um, come come listen to us at the More and More Podcast. Uh, we'd love to have you. Thanks, guys. Have I said that enough that you should follow us? Okay. Um, good talk. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Bye.